and welcome to Creeps and Crime Storytime. My name is Charlie. And I'm Sophie. And yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And yeah. And, and yeah. yeah. Do you have any announcements? No. No, me neither. Um, we Do we need to start having announcements? Maybe, because there are things going on. Well, know, most podcasts always have like, a lot of true crime podcasts that I've listened to have yeah. a good like 10 minutes of yeah, just some kind conversation of where at the beginning just... and we don't have that yeah, and it's we don't i kind of like not having it i like just getting right in Me and too. not fucking around yeah but i feel like maybe we should and it's lacking i, I don't know if people if that's I'm not sure good we can maybe trial it for like a minute and see oh i don't know about that i mean you know what we've been talking for 54 seconds and it's felt natural yeah i guess so and but we've not got anywhere that's fine. <laughs> Next episode. I like to get somewhere. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything. Um, I was peeking on the analytics again on the distribution software that I use because I, I live mm, on there. You do. Um, and we got quite a few new followers from the last episode. So it's Ooh, nice to have guys. you. So hello. hello. It's nice to have you. <laughs> um, today, I'm just going to start. Yeah, sure. Um, so today we're going to be telling the story of Helen McCourt. I realised as I was doing the research for this case that I'd chosen a case two weeks in a row where a woman went missing and has never been found, despite the fact that we know who did it and roughly what happened. Oh, So this wasn't on, intentional. This wasn't on purpose. I didn't choose no. to do it that way. Mm. It's just how it worked out. Okay. So I was just... So I have like a notebook, like a physical notebook where I have... Um, in the first few pages I just have lists of names of cases that I want to cover at some point mm-hmm. and I was just flicking through and I saw this one and I thought hmm it's been a while since I looked <laughs> into it's been a while since I read about this and I wanted to refresh my memory on what it was about and yeah, what happened yeah. and as I was just like doing a bit of research I thought yeah this is it this is mm. the one for this week this is this, this is, is the right. story I want to tell this is it yes. and yeah it was only as I was going along that I realized like oh this is very similar to the last one. Where there's no real closure. Where there's no real closure. I mean, is closure even... Does it even make a difference? Like It might. Because I guess it depends on the person, though, because mm-hmm. if your loved one has been like taken from you, yeah. you have... I guess closure is you know what happened, but does that help? Does it... Surely nothing well, can make you feel better. Surely, Well, whatever word you'd use for just having them back, whether they're alive or not. Yeah, so you can bury in them and say goodbye. Form. Yeah, but I just, I have read interviews with victims' families where they've said that closure is not even a real thing. It's yeah, made it up and it's, yeah. and it's just bullshit and mm-hmm. it doesn't get easier. It's sad. Yeah, so it's interesting. Anyway, so all of our UK cases lately seem to be quite local. Again, not yeah. um, not on purpose. Yeah. It's just worked out that way. So this is another UK case. It's quite local. Helen lived in St. Helens. Oh, wow. Which That's... is very close to here it also. Is. So this is in the village of Billinge. So she was born on the 29th of July in 1965. And her mum and dad very much wanted to have her. They planned their pregnancy. Ooh. Her mum, Maria, said in interviews how happy she was to conceive Helen. So she was very much like one of those children that is very... The parents wanted to have a family. It was intentional. Yeah, they brought them into the world and said, you belong with us. Yeah. We love you. Mm -hmm. When Helen was a little girl, she was quite confident and outspoken. Her family said that she wasn't rude, but if she had a thought or opinion (laughs) about something, she'd be perfectly comfortable to voice it. Wow. So... That's a skill, I think so, especially as a young woman as well, to be able to voice your opinions... She must have been brought up in a healthy environment to feel that she would be able to do that. And to practice it. Yeah. So her family have all described her as being very fun and very adventurous. She had a younger brother, Michael, and her mum, Maria, said that she took care of him almost as if she were his mum instead. Oh, what's their age gap? Do you know? Uh, I actually don't know. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. I I don't know. (laughs) Um, I can't imagine it's that big. I'm wondering if it's five. Oh, I can't remember. Mm. Now I want to go and check. I can't remember. Um, But she had a very naturally nurturing side. And Mary thinks that her daughter would have made an amazing mum herself one day. It sounds like that. Yeah. So some people just naturally are very nurturing and caring. And it sounds like she was very much like that. So we're going to February 1988. Helen is 22 years old. 
Her mum, Mary, has since divorced Helen's father and she's getting married again to a man called John. So her and John are both divorcees and John made the effort to get to know Mary's children and the two ended up getting along very well. So John said in an interview that it took him a while to sort of get to know Helen because obviously if your parents divorce and then your mum starts dating somebody else, sometimes it might feel weird and awkward. Yeah, so it's a lot of adjusting. Situation. Especially as well if she's like a teenager, young adult, mm-hmm. it's that important phase in life when you're trying to figure yourself out so like meeting new people in new relationships is probably really challenging yeah um but it was important to john that he had a good relationship with helen because he knew mm. how much it mattered to marry so yeah. he worked at it he kept he didn't give up and the two ended up getting along really well in the end so that worked out that. really well That's good. um helen was looking forward to being a bridesmaid at her mom's upcoming wedding so her mum was getting married to John and Helen was going to be a bridesmaid. It kind of sounds like she wasn't able to go to the wedding. No, unfortunately, that's something she never got to experience. That's devastating. Which is horrific. Um, that Yeah, that's really shit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's really shit. <laughs> no, it just reminded me of when I was looking forward to being a bridesmaid at your wedding. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Do you want to take a break? We'll keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, so our day in question is the 9th of February. Helen works at the Liverpool Life Insurance Company, which is... Is this 1989? No, 1988. I thought we were in October 88. No, February. Oh. February 88. (laughs) So the day in question is the 9th of February. So very beginning of February 88. Helen works at the Liverpool Life Insurance Company, which is based in Liverpool City Centre, and she got public transport to and from work. Okay. So she didn't drive. She would get a train from Liverpool Lime Street to St. Helens. Weirdly, one oh. of her options to get that train is the same train line that I used to get to work every day. I was thinking that. Yep, yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, and then once she gets to St. Helens, she'd get a bus from there to Billinge. So she had a routine that didn't normally change. She had her routine set out and she always travelled at the same time every day and she used the same method of transportation every day. She was very set in this routine. And she lived with her mum and John and everyone always knew where she was, even though it was the 80s and mobile phones didn't exist. She always kept in touch somehow and I'll go into this. So if she missed her usual train for whatever reason so say she had to stay at work late or like she was having coffee with a friend or whatever if she missed her train for any reason she would use the phone box at liverpool station to call her mum and let her know she would be on the next train and what time to expect her home so she's very responsible very responsible and she was a creature of habit and she was she was (laughs) she was very close to to her mum mary and Mm. like any change in her day she'd use a phone box to call her immediately and tell her. Wow. Because she wanted her mum to know where she was all the time. Even though she was 22, she had that relationship with her. That's good. That's so honestly kind of So the two had actually arranged to meet for lunch that day, but they decided not to because the weather was awful. Oh, so it was absolutely it. tipping it down with rain. So they decided to reschedule that's because fair. it was yeah. pissing down. So instead, Helen talked to her mum on the phone multiple times. In fact, oh. they spoke on the phone three times that day. Wow. So this was a pretty important day for Helen, it turns out. So she had a relatively new boyfriend and the two had plans to go out that night. So she wanted to eat a dinner when, they, when she got home straight away so she could get ready to go out and meet her boyfriend at 8 p.m. So, during the day, Helen called her mum and said she would be home between 5.15 and 5.30. So, that's the specific window. So, I'm going to be home between quarter past five and half five. And please, would you have my tea ready for about then? So, I have time to wash my hair and I can be ready on time. (laughs) She wanted to wash her hair. That is just the... It's just so cute. So... This was an important date for Helen, and the night before, she actually chatted with one of her friends on the phone to help her choose out a nice dress. She wanted to wear a cute dress. It's like, what? Well, Ah! we literally just talked. (laughs) We have just been talking about this. We literally just talked about this, because I'm going on a date tomorrow, and I was like, Sophie... I don't know what to wear. <laughs> I, I don't like, know what I'm to wear. And we were trying to think of dresses. And I didn't even realise. And now we've come up, This was literally like 10 minutes ago. It was. And now we've was. come up to record and she's doing the same thing. So yeah, I know how it feels. And yeah. it's really exciting and it's really nice. And she just seems like a lovely, wholesome person. And she's very family oriented and she's very close mm. with her friends. Yeah. So she's got this like little universe of people and she's just so close with them. And everyone is really strongly connected. Yeah. So... Quarter past five came and went, and half five came and went. Oh, no. Okay. 
And it began to get later and later, and Mary was just starting to get that little worried feeling. Mm. You know that when you know something's wrong, yeah. and you have that gut feeling like it, something isn't fucking right, and you just the, uh, know. In your bones. And yes. it wasn't long, like half five coming and going, mm. and it's not like, for most people, Yeah, it's not, you wouldn't really think that much of it, Yeah, but it wasn't normal for Helen. Exactly. If it's... Helen was going to be late, for example, if she missed the train, she would always call home to let her mum know mm-hmm. it had never happened where she didn't never no so she had a strict routine this was very very out of the norm am i right to be worried at this point yes good because i <laughs> yeah so mary saw on the news that a tree had fallen near liverpool so she assumed that trains were just delayed oh, and yeah. put her daughter's lateness down to the bad weather because there was a fucking mm. huge storm and it was really storming yeah well. and if you if say for example she was on the train and a tree fell on the line there would yeah. be no way for her to contact her once she's on the train. Yeah, you just stuck there. Exactly. Waiting. So her mum was just like, the public transport is probably delayed because of the weather because it was mental outside. Mm-hmm. And that's just what she told herself because she's like, rather than freaking out, she thought, I'm going to look for a rational explanation for this. Yeah, just take a step back. like you do. Be rational. And yeah, exactly. But as the clock kept ticking on and the front door didn't open, she began to worry that something bad had happened. Mm-hmm. So Mary started to call around her daughter's friends and other members of the family in case they'd seen her or heard anything. Yeah. So her friends hadn't heard from her, which is red flag number one. Yeah. And Mary called her daughter's office and she left on time. I mean, it's not a red flag, but... So Mary assumed that there had been an accident related to the weather while her daughter was on the way home. Could this be another fallen tree? Could it be a car swerving off the road in the wind and the rain? Anything could have happened. Yeah. So Mary and John started to call hospitals, asking if anyone matching their daughter's description had been admitted, but there was nothing that lined up. Mm. John drove the route between their house and Liverpool Lime Street Station, looking for signs of some kind of accident, but there wasn't anything. And staff at the train Mm. station confirmed that the train had left on time. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And it was clearly going to be very intact. And it yeah. hadn't crashed. And exactly. Was on it. So yeah. the only remaining thing to do was to call the police. Yeah. Surprisingly, the police took it seriously. Oh. When you consider that <laughs> Helen is a grown adult and she'd only been missing for four hours at this point. Yeah, it's not even 24 hours. Exactly. So the time... Yeah. Um, so a lot of the time they can make families wait and it can be really frustrating. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's so, a runaway. Exactly. So there's not Come actually yeah. a rule in place that says you have to wait 24 hours. It's just police want you to do that so it's less for them to do. Yeah. And because most of the time, people end up turning up. So yeah. they know that if you wait a bit, people will most most likely show up. But if somebody does go missing that you know, and you know it's out of the norm, mm-hmm. and it's completely out of character for their behavior, and the police are like, oh, just wait a bit. Don't wait a bit. No. Be a pain in the ass. Yeah, and keep pushing. Yeah, you get, get done what you've back. got to get done. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but these police officers <laughs> didn't do that. No. They were really good about it. Hell yes. Um, I'm pleased to tell you that they actually got on it really quickly. So mm-hmm. they started checking in all the places the family had already been because, of course, they have to do their own yeah. searching and their own questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got everything ticked off on their own. So they went to Liverpool, they called around hospitals as well, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So the police officer in charge told Mary that she could actually call him hourly for updates. And she did exactly that. Good. So she called on the hour, every hour, until four in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good yeah. on her, so yeah. at four Don't in the morning. Don't stop calling at ten. Go through the night. Yeah, so at four in the morning, an unmarked police car pulled up outside their home. John and Mary were both questioned by the police and their stories were noted down. So the police had begun to check the alibis of the people closest to Helen. Mm, And Mary began to realise how serious this is. So Mm. if the police are starting to ask you, where were you at this time and what were you doing? What was your husband doing? I mean, partner or whatever. Then it's like, okay, this is really fucking serious. And that's that's what happened. Um, So John and Mary were both confirmed by the police to be where they said they were. Mm. John's ex-wife and workplace supported his alibi because he had to go visit his ex-wife for something because he had kids with her from a previous marriage and he had to check in. So he was cleared. Mary was cleared. And it all became very obvious now by the early hours of the morning that something had happened to prevent Helen from coming home to her family. That much is for sure. Yes. The serious crime squad took over the investigation. By the time the sun rose over St. Helens, the police had gathered that Helen had definitely completed her usual journey on public transport. So okay. that had so happened. She'd been yeah. on the train, she so got she off. caught her train without a hitch, she got off the train, she caught the bus from St. Helens to Billinge. 
The peculiar thing was mm. the bus stop she got off at was somewhere between 500 and 200 yards from her house. I was just thinking this because yeah. she's given such a short time window, the the journey mustn't be that long. It's not. So when everything goes on time, she knows exactly that there's about 50 minutes leeway here or there of yeah, like wherever. Um but when it's on time. Exactly. So the bus stop mm. she got off at was really close to her house. She was so oh, close, but had seemingly vanished into thin air in that short space of time. She was on the bus at the time she was supposed to be, and witnesses told the police they remember her getting off at about quarter past five. Do you reckon she'd been followed? We'll get it's to it. Really sad we routine. will we will get to it. it so that's a good point actually. If you do have a really set routine and somebody's stalking you, they will know where to stalk you. Yeah, you'll know where that, to yeah, be yeah. on your own. Um, always look over your shoulder. Don't trust yeah. anyone. Change your routes. Trust nobody. I um, I do that too, actually. When I'm walking home from the train station, Don't sometimes say. I'll go a different... Don't see which ways you go. <laughs> <laughs> they might be listening. Anyway. <laughs> That's what I so, it would have only taken her about five minutes to walk from the bus stop to her house. Five minutes. That is mm-hmm. so close. That's she was really so close, close to home. home. Mm-hmm. She was right there. This meant, though, the good thing about this is that it meant that the police did not have a large search area to find where Helen went missing exactly. Mm. So sometimes, if you don't know where someone's gone missing, there's like a radius of so many miles where you think that an incident might have happened. But if you know that something happened in between the bus stop and her house, that is not a big area to search in. It doesn't necessarily mean that she's there right now. No. But but the point when something happened is in this space. Mm -hmm. So... There is an option that she could have been abducted in a car and taken away, but yeah. the fact that we know she was in a small area meant the police had a good place to start. So 120 officers were dispatched to start searching around the small town centre. And for such a small town, the search was huge. So if you think about, like, Billinge is a village in St. Helens, and if you think about 120 police officers in a village, that's a lot crowded. of police officers. Yeah. 120 in I'm a small village. It. Yeah, so... Officers were doing house calls to ask residents if they'd seen anything and to look around. Mm -hmm. Divers were even sent to search the Carmel Dam, which is just north of St. Helens Town Centre. I thought you were going to say divers were sent to knock on doors. (laughs) No, no, no. Wow. That's 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 commitment. Yeah, they wanted to make sure. But no, no, no. So they were sent to search um, a dam, Mm. which I cannot even imagine how much my heart would fall out of my asshole if someone went missing and I found out that people were searching bodies of water. Yeah. That would just be the most horrific feeling. I can't even... It's going to be really surreal because you still don't hear the door go. You pinch yourself and you, you're not dreaming. You've still got police asking you questions and then you know that's going on. I can't even And you're just like, well, we should be back soon. They should be back soon. They'll come back eventually and then they just don't. They just don't. So, it was the officers doing the house calls that first noticed a rather interesting person. And as a matter of fact, this interesting person had actually been pointed out by Helen's mum, Mary, to the police. Is it the new boyfriend? It's not the new boyfriend. So, Helen had previously told her about a guy called Ian Sims. The community wasn't very big, so most people knew everyone else. It's one of those where everyone knows everyone, right? that name. Is it Sims with two M's? Yeah, that's how it's usually spelled. Oh, I thought it was like... The Sims game? No, that's just the game. (laughs) Oh, right. Apologies. Apologies. So, (laughs) he was the landlord of a pub nearby called the Georgian Dragon. And I feel like everywhere's got a pub called the Georgian Dragon. Like, literally everywhere has got a pub called that. Yeah, everywhere has one. I've also never been in it, so maybe it's not great. (laughs) (laughs) So, this pub was one of the places in the small town where young people went to hang out. Yeah, fair. So, they did a lot of, like, theme nights and other fun stuff. They that's, did, like, discos fun. and shit. Ooh. So, this was, like, the young Maybe people pub. Night. Yeah, so, yeah. it there probably wasn't a lot of choice for the younger patrons when it came to finding a good spot to hang out and get a bit drunk. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an old man pub, so it would do. Yeah, it's a safe bet. Exactly. So... And this was probably all by Ian's design, I expect, as he loved flirting with the younger customers he had. He had a bit of a reputation for liking younger women. He himself was 33, so he wasn't super old. Like, he wasn't, like, old, old. But But in my opinion, he was too old to be chasing after 18 to 22-year-olds, which was what he liked to do. I'm really not impressed with this guy. Yeah, so this that's what he liked. Mm -hmm. So Helena told her mum that on multiple occasions he'd sent free drinks over and flirted with her quite a lot, but she repeatedly turned him down. She just wasn't interested. And she wasn't the only one who was on the receiving end of his sexual 
sexual advances, he was actually dating a 21-year-old woman called Tracy Hornby, who he had actually moved into the apartment above the pub recently. Oh. This was all hush-hush, however, because Ian Sims was actually married and had two young children. Oh, so he's one of those... Yeah. Irresponsible parents. <laughs> yeah. So I think his wow. wife probably knew all about the flirting with the young customers, yeah, but probably. she didn't know about the young mistress living above the pub. Mm, he, she didn't know about that. And Ian far. wanted it to stay that way. It so is. apparently Helen knew about his affair and Ian believed that she was gossiping about it to other patrons in the pub. That's really insecure of him. It's very insecure of him. He He's probably doing got, it. you know, like you said last week about small hands. <laughs> So yeah. he probably has small, small hands. hands on the the draft pouring handles. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to watch you struggle. Cold. So there was also an incident in the pub two days before Helen disappeared. Was she there? She was there. So was Helen she? loved to bring a camera out with her and take pictures of her nights out. She was one of those. I like to do that. Yes. And she'd taken some pictures of people that she was hanging out with. Oh, that's cute. So she was showing some of the photos around because obviously back then there were no digital cameras so it was just like yeah. film. So you'd go and get your film developed. You, or you'd get like an instant camera and take it to Boots and get it done. Yeah. Um, and another woman there saw some pictures with her ex-boyfriend in them. And oh. this woman was kicking off apparently. Fair. So Helen and this woman got into an altercation in the ladies' toilets. Oh wow. This was not common behaviour for Helen, but no. it sounds to me like this woman was getting arsy about it, it and like she was, was sticking up for herself. Yeah. That's what I think. Herself, yeah. Um I obviously don't know either of these people. Well, but yeah. just based on nope. what I've found out so far, that seems likely. Mm-hmm. Um anyway. Ian Sims was obviously pissed with Helen in the first place for rejecting his advances and sort of like knowing about his affair. And once this happened, he banned her from the pub there and then. So he was just like, get out and stay out, don't come back. That's pretty dramatic. Yeah, he was also heard by other patrons that evening telling anyone who would listen how much he hated her. (laughs) And he was swearing and using obscene language to talk about her once she left. Very small hands. Very small hands. Very small penis, undoubtedly. It's so obsessive, that kind of like, I really hate this girl. Honestly, like I've seen him and he's like a weird little man with a weird little moustache and you you can tell he's got a weird little penis. Like, you can just fucking (laughs) tell. Oh, no! Why would you? Why would you? You say that. No, you I mean, I'm just, penis. I'm just saying, <laughs> if a guy has like a bend in his penis, I'm sure that's fine. Don't take it out on us. But don't take it out. Don't kill us for it. Don't, yeah, don't do that. It's not worth it. It's I not. You. It's not our fault. <laughs> no, it's not. Anyway, so anyway, the police showed up at the pub doing their door to door. Yeah. And they had some questions. So they wanted to get a statement from Ian. They were like, we want to fucking talk to you. Yeah. And while they were there, they also had a word with the bar manager and Ian's girlfriend, Tracy, because she was there. Ooh. So it turned out, once they out. were talking, the bar manager and Tracy told the same kind of story about what happened on Tuesday night. Mm. But what? Ian's story was different. Well, of course it was. Yeah. So different enough that the police took notice that his recollection didn't line up with theirs. I wasn't able to find the statements online anywhere. So it could have been, I don't know how it differentiated, Mm. but it could have been something like he said he was there all night and the other two remember that he wasn't. Or something like that. It could be like, and then she left. (laughs) Yeah. Simply omitting that he violently banned her from it. No, I mean the night she went missing. His recollection was different. The... No, no, no. So they said, what were you doing yesterday night when Helen went missing? And that's when their stories were different. That's even more suspicious. It fucking is, right? So (laughs) the senior officer present also noticed how nervous Ian seemed. He was mega fucking twitchy and this gave the officer a feeling that something was not right. Yeah. So this guy was getting that that police feeling like when you when you're talking to someone and you're Mm -hmm. like, you've done a crime. Yeah. He was getting that now feeling real it. bad. Yeah. Now, please tell me about this crime. <laughs> so, he could tell that Ian was being deceptive and he was worried about whether or not he was being believed. Mm. So, he could tell when he was talking yeah. to him that Ian was like, they don't believe me. Yeah. I find that when people kind of go through that thinking of, okay, I'm in the midst of lying and I'm going to check really smoothly if they're convinced yet, that alone gives them away. That yeah. They're hiding something even yeah. more. And it's like just... It reminds me of like, you know, the stories of Patsy Ramsey peeking through her fingers. Yeah. On, that on weirded Boxing me out. Day. Yeah, oh. it's fucking weird. So 
Um, so yeah, police hauled him in for questioning at the station and they interviewed him again. Mm. So while he was being interviewed at the station, the police doing door to door investigations talked with a witness who came forward, who got off a bus at a similar time to Helen at about half five. He said that he was on his way home from work. And when he got off the bus and started walking home, he remembered hearing a woman scream and it was suddenly cut off and it came from the direction of the pub. Pub murder. (laughs) Pub murder. You're like, well, that's it. Case closed. Case closed. Go to jail. Do not collect $200. Young lady isn't being mistreated there as well. Mate, I have no fucking idea. Mm. But I think she can do better than a weird little man with a weird little moustache. Definitely. And little small hands. No. Everyone, let's put him in the bin. Goodbye. <laughs> in the bin. I don't care if he's in prison. So, can also go in the back bin. at the police station, Ian cracked under pressure and mm-hmm. admitted that he lied to the police the first time around. However, he refused to say anything actually useful and he was generally unhelpful. So he's just like wood vomiting. Yeah, so he basically like, Wrong yeah, piece. I lied, but I'm not telling you anything. What a dick. I know. So this was enough, however, for the police to get a warrant to search his car. The car of VW Passat was taken to the police and impounded, <laughs> and forensic staff were called in to do a detailed examination. Good. So they were like, forensics, we are mm. going to fuck you in the butt. So in the main body of the car, forensics didn't find anything too unusual. Mm-hmm. However, the boot was a different story. Mm-hmm. Or to our American listeners, the trunk. <laughs> the rubber seal... So in the rubber seal between the interior of the boot and the bumper, oh, you yeah. know that rubber strip that goes all the way around? Yeah. So they found blood there. Ah, uh, that shouldn't be there. Which shouldn't be no, there. No. And under the carpeted section where you would put a spare tire, they found an earring. Sophie's face. No. Yeah. <laughs> I can see very much the white of my eyes. Yeah, shop. Sophie was like, absolutely fucking like, not. I beg your pudding. So they right. immediately went to Ian to confront him about this while the samples of blood went to get tested. Ian, of course, had a bullshit story for this. He said that his dog must have cut his paw or something, and that's definitely how the blood got there. Yep. What about the earring? Did your dog lose that too, Ian? You fucking idiot. Yeah, I was going to say, does your dog wear earrings? Yeah, so testing from the forensics lab identified the blood as human, not dog blood, which surprised absolutely nobody. The next step was to identify the earring if possible, so two plainclothes police detectives paid Mary a visit. Good. So they showed Mary the earring, and she identified it as belonging to a daughter. I cannot imagine the soul-crushing moment you see an item of your family member's clothing and you know know that that object, which Mm. you've seen so many times before in normal circumstances, signifies the fact that they are not coming home. Yes. I just cannot. I cannot even. I've gone cold imagining it. Having to experience it. So the earrings were actually a present that she received the previous year for her 21st birthday and she wore them the day she went missing. Oh my god. It's awful, isn't it? Yes, that's so much Yeah. So at this point, Ian Sims was arrested on suspicion of murder. And this was quite something at the time, as there was no body found and a very small quantity of blood. Mm, So sometimes when you don't have a body, you can still prosecute someone for murder if, for example, you find a large quantity of the victim's blood and it's obvious that the person could not survive without that amount of blood in their system. So that's how people have got done for murder without remains before if you find a huge pool of blood and you're like they couldn't have survived whatever that injury without, was yeah. yeah so that's happened before but here a very small amount of blood very small and no mm. other evidence of a crime so to arrest him on this probably mm. felt a little risky in the sense that a good lawyer might have been able to get him out of it at this point yeah. The arrest meant that the police were able to get into Ian's flat to search there nice. and they found more yes. evidence so once inside Ian's um. flat or apartment the police were able to take samples of more blood because there was more blood. Great, that's just what we need. Exactly. So there was even actually a fingerprint in one blood spot, which they were able to match to Ian himself. So he must have been present and touched the blood while it was still at the tacky stage of drying in order to leave a print. Mm, He needs to stop Yeah, so he was fucking... He clearly, yeah. So other traces of blood were found on the exterior door of the flat in a spatter pattern as though she'd been struck. Police believed that she was here when she was attacked. The scream heard by the witness was cut off as she was hit in the face and then she was dragged inside to back up this theory blood was also found in the wallpaper in his bedroom and on the carpet in several places both at the bottom of the stairs and the bedroom the bedroom sophie's face is just like it's just like was she running away from him upstairs or was she being chased by him going downstairs trying to get out so please don't think that there's any running going on so Mm. My next part is actually what the police think probably happened. Okay. Um, 
He's got so many scenarios in the head. Yeah, so the bedroom having blood in it didn't bode well, as he was sexually pursuing her. Finding yeah. her blood on the floor of this room just makes it feel worse for me than if it was found on the floor of any other room. Yeah. Obviously, if a woman is going to be attacked and sexually assaulted, she can be sexually assaulted in any room of a house. But just the fact that she was outside the house, mm-hmm. she got hit in the face, and then if the blood was going like up the stairs, across the landing, and into the bedroom... She was taken specifically to the bedroom. And I... Yeah. Ugh, 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 I hate yeah, that so much. It well with me. It's horrible. I hate that. Um, so beating a woman in the head and dragging her into your bedroom is repulsive. But this is the kind of person that we're dealing with. This is the kind of person that hosted all the fun theme nights at the young people's favourite pub in town. Mm-hmm. You never know what someone's capable of. No. You never know. Not at all. A dog walker came forward to say that he'd made a discovery the morning after Helen went missing. Why the fuck is it always a dog walker? I don't know, but... It's always a dog walker, or it's always a jogger. jogger. (laughs) Yeah. Or a jogger! (laughs) Or a jogger, yes. jinx. So, (laughs) it's... I I guess, like, if you're, like, hiking or dog walking or jogging, you're going to places that are, like, a bit off the beaten path. You're going places that are a bit... Yeah. Yeah. So that's why. But it's just, like, you fucking poor dog walkers always coming across these bodies. And the dog's probably like, I can smell something. What is it? Yeah, so, I mean... This guy didn't realise, because this was the, he found this the morning after. So he didn't realise mm. that there was a missing persons case at the time. Yeah. So later on, when he heard about it a few days later, he went to the police and told them what he'd found and where to find it. Good. Okay. So that morning, he'd come upon a bloodstained towel at Holland's Green near the banks of the Manchester Ship Canal. At a spot about oh. 15 miles, at, yeah, yeah, at a spot about 15 miles away from where Helen lived. A little further down his walk, he found a second towel, also stained with what looked like blood, and several items of clothes with blood on. The clothes were basically wow. an entire men's outfit, so there was a jacket, trousers, and underwear. Uh, yeah, so that's a lot of bloody <laughs> items. Yeah, the blood, blood so like that found in Ian's house, was sampled and taken to the lab for testing. So they found the clothes? They found the clothes, and they Brilliant. found the towel. Okay, so they, the police went that's there, fine. and it was all still there. So they were like, yeah, we're just going to take this. So interestingly, one of the Mm -hmm. items of clothing removed from the green was a jacket that had a logo on it. (laughs) So the logo belonged to Labatt, which is a brand of beer served in the Georgian Dragon pub. So, you know, it's something that a merchandiser for that brand might wear. You know, like a pub landlord who stocks and sells that brand. Way to market that. Fucking idiot. So the police took the clothes to Ian at the police station and asked him if he could identify them as belonging to him. And he flat out denied it. Absolutely not. Those clothes don't belong to me. That's so embarrassing. However, police had a feeling he was probably lying again. So they took the photos of the clothes to both his wife and his girlfriend, who both said they definitely belonged to him. So both of those women were like, yeah, that's his jacket. Fuck him. Yeah. (laughs) So when faced with this news, he was like, yeah, okay, they're mine. (laughs) It reminds me of Casey Anthony going, yeah, I don't work here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't work here. So when he was arrested, he had any personal items removed from him. So any of his clothing, a watch, etc. All would have been stored. No, I think he kept that. (laughs) It all would have been stored at the jail and he would have been given a swanky new prison outfit. Mm. So some of the items taken from him were a bracelet and two rings. When reviewing the evidence, police noticed that this jewellery actually had small amounts of mud and dirt on them. Mm. I know. It's like, did he not wash his fucking hands? So this mud was tested and was confirmed to have been made up of the same dirt compounds as that found at the place where the towels and clothes were found. I mean, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. He didn't so on the jacket that Ian confirmed was his were hair from Helen's head and a fibre from her mittens was inside the pockets. Her mittens? I'm sorry. I know, I know. Mittens are adorable. I know. It's so just... I know. So in March, a couple of weeks later, a mm-hmm. boy made another discovery. Oh, no. I know. So mm-hmm. he found a handbag at the edge of the River Irwell, which is, again, about 10 miles away. Yeah. The contents of this bag were kind of scattered, like it had been yeah. like shaken empty, and he mm-hmm. showed his dad, who took one look in it, saw Helen's ID, oh, and recognised her name. He was like, fuck. Yeah. So he oh, called wow. the police, who came to collect it straight away. I've gotten chills. What a good dad. Yeah. Because some dads would be like, nah, son, leave it, let's go. <laughs> nah, son. Don't tell your mom or siblings or <laughs> Don't tell your mom. Like, no, but he, yeah, so he, he found, he saw Helen's ID and was like, oh shit, this is that woman who went missing. Yeah. Um. So the boy showed the officers where he found the bag. Aww. And the police also found a black bin bag. What a good boy. He's a good boy. I'm so glad they did that. 
So the handbag and its contents were confirmed to be Helen's. Mm. And the contents of the bin bag were also, unsurprisingly, related. So inside the bag were Helen's clothes. We've got a coat, scarf, mittens, trousers, and a pair of underwear. Why are her underwear not on me? I know. I know. No. I hate this so much. I hate this guy. So... The coat was brand new. She'd never worn it before. This this was actually the first day that she'd worn this coat. Um, And the police officer examined it closely. And they found on the coat and trousers some fibres from inside Ian Sims' apartment. Carpet fibres. So on both items of clothing were carpet fibres from three different places. Mm. So the stairs, the upstairs landing and the bedroom. And this went along with the blood patterns and the police came to the conclusion that the presence of these three fibres on these places on her clothes suggests that she was dragged up the stairs across the landing and into the bedroom. It's good that he has a very multi-carpeted house. Yeah. Because they can put it, put they her, can put the her, they can put and him in each room. Yeah, they can put everything together. Mm, yeah. So questions have been asked as to, and this is quite, obviously this whole thing is uncomfortable, but this little bit I'm going to get into now is quite uncomfortable. So if you feel uncomfortable, do feel free to use that little 15 button to skip ahead a little bit. So questions have been asked as to why all of Helen's clothing was removed from her prior to her body being disposed of. So some people think that if she was sexually assaulted, he just didn't put her clothes back on afterwards and then he got rid of her body. Yeah. So I think that she was most likely probably sexually assaulted. And yeah. people think that she was just undressed for that purpose. And then when he was finished doing whatever horrible things he was doing, he just didn't redress her. Yeah. He disposed of the clothes somewhere and then he disposed of her body somewhere else. Right. Which is obviously, this is a very unpleasant subject matter. Yeah. Um, others believe that he might have disposed of her body by dismembering her and having her nude would make it easier yeah because i mean i'm not going to dismember somebody but if i was going to it would definitely be easier to find joints without like jackets and coats and shit on just strip them down yeah you just yeah it It would be easier to cut through fabric rather than it's not that but just like finding the best places to get to it would be easier if there were clothes in the way exactly yeah um so yeah her body's never been found ever so he must have been able to find somewhere where people don't go Hmm. the fact that the clothes he dumped were found so quickly after she was abducted Hmm. yet her body has never been removed is strange in my opinion because a handbag is much smaller and easier to hide than a whole person that's really bizarre but he must have just got really lucky he must have just found somewhere where nobody's come across yeah this whole crime is fucking stupid he's not a smart guy no this guy is obviously thick as shit but Mm -hmm. he just got really lucky Mm -hmm. because everything he did he made it really obvious how much he hated her he's a shit liar he's a shit liar he everything that he got rid of apart from poor Helen's body herself got found really quickly he left blood in his car he left blood in his apartment he's a cheer he's a he's a cheer he's a naturally awful person yeah and it's like on top of murdering so everything he did in this crime Mm -hmm. is really done yeah so how have how's no one ever found her and do not know exactly um so i want to carry on talking about this bin bag so also in the bag was a length of electrical cord Ian Sims used this. This also goes on to show what a shitbird he is. Oh, so no. Ian Sims used this same type of electric, just a big length of electrical cord, like yeah. a wire with nothing in it. Mm-hmm. And he used the same type of cord to tie his dog up outside. <gasps> No. So he had this Rottweiler, and Rottweilers no. are gorgeous. They are so and he tied up his dog outside with a length of wire. That's fucking And it's horrible. like, you fucking shit. What? What does that even yeah. achieve? It, nothing. Like, so, no. obviously, it takes a certain kind of asshole to tie a dog outside all day with an electrical cord. Yeah. Be so, the cord in the bag actually had the teeth marks in it from his dog chewing on it. <laughs> so, it could be matched to him because yeah. it had this dog's teeth marks oh, on it. And there was a knot in the cord where several strands of Helen's hair were in the knot. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the strands of hair had been pulled out from the root and some were snapped. So the way that the hair was worked into the knot and it was some were broken and some were pulled out led police to assume that this cord was used to strangle Helen after she was struck in the face. That makes sense. Yeah. So to top it all off, again, just showing how fucking stupid he is, Mm -hmm. the bin bag that all of this stuff was found in had come from the same roll of bin liners found in the Georgian Dragon pub. <laughs> oh my god. I was going to say, does it have that stupid logo on it? No, but it was it was pulled off the same roll because yeah. they matched where it lined the lines, up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I imagine that. That, like, how dense. Ridiculous. 
so thick. So I want to talk about DNA for a moment. Okay. So yep. in 1988, DNA technology was nowhere near what it is now. No. Absolutely nowhere near. Mm-hmm. It was very much in its infancy. So in trials, juries still didn't really understand exactly what it meant. Mm-hmm. It seemed extremely complicated. And I think in the 80s, people doubted how accurate it could be. It just yeah. seemed like this weird new science that was very complex and People just were like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Great. I, but that's how it was when it started. It was, people yeah. didn't understand. Like, oh, it's new. Yeah. I don't want it. So a lot of the time when people started talking about DNA, listeners would just sort of tune out a bit, unless they were genuinely really interested in the topic anyway. People would just be like, eh. Yeah. All the blood samples and hair were tested. Mm-hmm. The blood was the same type as Helen's, because that's what they used to type match blood for cases like this. So mm. they type matched it. And it came up the same type as Helen, so that's a good start. Good. But the yeah. police wanted more, especially because there was no body. They wanted they more. Needed they needed solid. that. Yeah. So if they could prove for sure that the blood came from only Helen, even mm. without a body, they might be able to convict Ian of murder. This had never happened in British history before. DNA had never been used to convict someone without the victim's body being present. Right. It had never happened. The police asked Helen's family for DNA samples, so they took Helen's hairbrush, which had her hair in it. They also took DNA samples in the form of mouth swabs from family members themselves who were happy to do anything that would aid the investigation. Upon testing, the hair and blood were both confirmed to have come from Helen. So that's ticked off. That's done. Good. The trial against Ian took place the following year in 1989. The prosecution brought a charge of murder against him and they were going to try and use the DNA evidence to secure a conviction. Mm -hmm. Ian decided to keep denying any involvement in Helen's disappearance and he came up with a bizarre story. So he insisted the only plausible reason his clothes could be found covered in blood and his apartment and car could have blood from Helen is, hold on, get ready, She's holding on. Holding. You're holding. <laughs> the only way is that someone must have broken into his flat, yeah. stolen his clothes, mm-hmm. worn his clothes to attack Helen, mm-hmm. drag her into his flat, dispose of her with his electrical cord in his bin bags, steal his car, dispose of all the items in his car, intentionally to frame him. That was his defense in to court. To frame him? Yeah. That was, He's so full of himself. That was his defense in court. He's... He sat in That's court. so fucking cringy. Like, it's one thing saying someone broke into my house and blah, everything else. But someone so intentionally to them, but, did all of this. But to frame me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, victim. the victim. Exactly. Yeah. He can go fuck himself. And it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's this kind of guy. So, needless to say, the prosecution did not believe this version of events. <clears throat> they were like, I don't think so. According to Ian's own story, he was in the pub from 20 past 4 until 6pm. So how on earth could someone have broken into his premises without him hearing it if he was there? Yeah, that... This... That was, yeah, that doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. He's an idiot. Well, this is what I'm saying. He's a fucking idiot. He's really He's dumb. so stupid. So count. the prosecution went hard with the DNA evidence. Yes. They went hard. So the blood was in lots of different places that all pointed back towards him. Mm-hmm. And the new testing technology had proven that there was a chance of 126,000 to 1 that mm-hmm. the blood came from anyone else other than a child of Helen's parents. Wow. So this was huge at the time, and a jury thankfully understood the seriousness. Of oh my god! Meant. I was waiting for the how the jury did interpret this specific. They got it right. DNA so the trial took three weeks, and Ian was found guilty. Ooh. He was given a life sentence with a minimum sentence of sixteen years before he would be able to go for parole. What? But where is she? We don't know. Is he not going to tell us? She's never been found, Sophie. She should be. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm struggling for words right now. <laughs> like just, it's frustrating that he's still alive, but we can't make him talk. That's, that's, torturing people is not... No, I'm not talking about torture. I bet you would, I mean, though. like, insisting. <laughs> insisting, very professionally. firmly. Professionally with, yeah. like, torture devices. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Edward. With, like, a screwdriver and some strong words. Yeah. <laughs> so... In 1999, Ian Sims launched an appeal based on the DNA evidence. He said that 126,000 to 1 wasn't good enough. 
And in today's standards, it's not anywhere near as much as what we're used to hearing. It's not good enough. No, However, you have right. to remember that this trial and testing took place in 1989. Mm-hmm. However, 10 years later, when Ian appealed, technology was 10 years more advanced. So the courts did the correct thing in this mm-hmm. instance, and they, they tested should. the blood again. Very professional. After all, if it didn't belong to Helen, and mm-hmm. Ian Sims was actually totally innocent, yeah. he shouldn't be in jail. Exactly. If so, he wasn't, isn't, yeah, sure. Yeah, on. however... Unfortunately for him, the testing came back and the odds of the blood not belonging to Helen was 9 million to 1. So that's quite incriminating. Yeah, so he properly fucked himself. Yeah, he just like locked the key from both sides. Yeah, so... But I'm still innocent. Yeah, so he just locked himself in that jail cell for another however many years. (laughs) So he has always maintained his innocence and he's never revealed the location of Helen's body. Why is he still maintaining his I don't know. So the thing is, if he told if he told Helen's family or the police where they could find her, he would have ended up getting a much lower sentence. Yeah. So because half the sentence he got slapped with was because he was being a cunt and he wouldn't tell anyone where she was. Mm-hmm. So and say, say if you if you are a murderer and then you say, oh, here's when the body is, that would stand you in kind of good stead if you go for parole. Yeah, absolutely. It's because a, it's, it's like a display of because exactly it's like you I'm know, remorseful. I want family, her to be buried properly. Etc. Yeah, Etc. But no. That, but so, however, his unwillingness to let her family bury her have meant that he ended up serving 31 years in prison. Oh his sentence almost got doubled because he wouldn't tell <laughs> anyone where she was. That's a lot. That's a lot. Helen's of time. family never gave up looking for her. So each Sunday for four years, yeah. Mary would get the family together and she would choose a location to search for her daughter. There would be like 30, 40 people on these searches. She would get yeah. like her whole fucking family. Like yeah. cousins and shit, everyone wow. would come together, and they were organized. Yeah. So, Mar- so Mary would always choose. So each week she would choose the location, and they would go out and they would like do organized thorough like police That's searches, incredible. basically. Yeah. And they would look in quarries, mine shafts, canals, you wow. name it, anywhere sort yeah. of even remotely nearby where yeah. a body could be hidden. You've got to think: what would a stupid person do? Because I feel like a smart person would be like, yeah. I just think if he just stuck her in this stupid place, she would have been found because the clothes got found so quickly. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah. The bag and the towels. There is a thing at the end we're going to get to about it, but there's still a huge question mark. We don't know. She's never been found. Yeah, that's true. But there is an idea that I want to put forward, but it's going to be at the end. So, but just patience. I'll hold on. Yeah. Um, the thing is, no trace of Helen has ever been found. Whenever her family members, even to this day, 34 years later, if they ever go on walks, they'll like just keep an eye out. They'll think, yeah. I wonder if she's under that tree. Or like, I wonder if she's in that field. Yeah. And that's, that's just all they, terrible. whenever they go anywhere, that's just what they think. Yeah. And it, it, it would just never leave you. Never. So, it sure wouldn't. Ever because there's it. no grave, Mary has never had anywhere to visit and pay her respects. Mm. So in 2008, on what would have been Helen's 43rd birthday, the churchyard allowed Mary to install a marble bench dedicated to Helen so oh. that she can sit there and oh. just think about her daughter. That's lovely. I know. So in that's 2015, Mary started campaigning for Helen's law, and that's a law that would mean a convict could not be released on parole if they did not disclose the location of a body. <laughs> I feel about if, a bit iffy about this, and mm. I want to just debate about it. So... I'm not saying that I agree or disagree the way because I actually, I've been thinking about it quite a lot and I can't decide how I feel about it. Mm. So obviously we only ever want to put guilty people in prison. But let's say yeah. some poor sod gets arrested and thrown in jail for something like this and they're innocent. Yeah. They would never be able to reveal the location of a body. Yeah, they can't. They would never they be able to do it. So that innocent person would never get out on parole. Yeah. And... I'm not saying I agree with murderers being released from prison because I actually don't. I think if you intentionally take someone's life, mm-hmm. like, in this... Why should you come back out? Exactly. I don't think you should. I think, no. like, for something like this, if it's, like... If there is, like, beyond proof, like, yeah. beyond proof that someone did it, and it was something like murder and rape or something mm-hmm. awful like this, yeah. I think it should be, like, life as in until you're dead, yeah. personally. But the thing is... You've got to look at an argument from all sides for the purposes of debating. You can't just look at it from your own opinion. Mm. If someone has served time allocated to them by the courts and the judicial system, shouldn't they be allowed their parole that's allocated to them by law? I'm not saying that that's what I believe should happen. But if someone is given parole, 
yeah. by our country's court system, yeah. are they not entitled to it? They are. I'd yeah. say they're Do you see what I mean? It. Like, yeah. it doesn't mean whether I personally think they should or shouldn't be, but legally, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so she campaigned for this law, and it was in the process of being put to Parliament for debate in 2019. Mm. However, if you remember, 2019 is when Parliament dissolved before the general election, and not an awful lot of progress has been made since then. Mm. And if you look it up online, there's some interesting articles about it. So it seems like mm. a lot of people, even like victims' families, yeah. have criticised it, saying oh. that it would be really impractical to implement in real life, and it's been described as toothless. Yeah. yeah, people just think in real life, it like like yeah, it sounds great in theory, but in yeah. real life, it would be so hard to put into practice, mm-hmm. and lawyers would be able to like get around it and yeah. stuff because it, it sounds tricky to put into place successfully. Yeah, exactly. So in February two thousand twenty, Ian Sims was released on license after serving thirty one years behind bars. He had to wear a tag for monitoring his location. And in summer last year, so June 2022, he died rather suddenly at 66 years old. Oh! Yeah. Oh, I, I wasn't expecting you to say that. Yep. So a cause of death has not been officially him. announced, but he's it said that he suddenly collapsed and just passed away, and he never revealed the location of Helen's body. Mm-hmm. So this is the bit at the end that I wanted to get to. Okay. And the only reason I'm saving it to the end <laughs> is because the person only came forward in 2019. So I'm doing this oh, wow. like in order. So, yeah. Yes. So an unnamed witness, never revealed their name, came forward shortly before Ian Sims was released and spoke to a newspaper called the Wigan Observer. Mm. So at the time of this interview, this witness was 70 years old, but he was friends with Ian Sims at the time in oh, the 80s. Oh, yeah. So he's someone who knew Ian from back then and was relatively kind of close to him. Mm. So the witness spoke to the police in the 80s while the investigation was going off. Mm. Like, so when everything was going on, yeah, he then. went to the police and he was like, hey, look, I think I have some information. And apparently they just fobbed him off. Yeah. And he recently spoke to the cold case team to make sure that his statement is definitely on a record somewhere. Yeah, and after he spoke to the cold case team, he then came to the media because he wanted... He was like, this is really important. It's the next best thing. Yeah, and he's yeah. the thing is, like, this happened, like, 34 years ago, and he's never forgotten it. Yeah, it's still he's, with him. He's clearly he cares. trying hard. Yeah. So this witness used to work as a roofer. Consequently, he had a lot of construction oh. and roofing materials to, sp- to dispose of mm. that he had. And he said that at some point before Helen's disappearance, Ian came around and suggested taking the roofing materials to Billinge Hospital because he had another friend who was in charge of operating the incinerator. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So he told the Wigan Observer, quote, There was absolutely no problem getting to the incinerator. Sim said you just drove around the back and through some open gates and his mate would let you dispose of your rubbish. It sounded like this was a regular thing for him, a good way of getting rid of stuff when the bins were full. Sure enough, we made a couple of trips and were able to drive straight round to this big metal door, chatted to a guy who was about my age in his 30s, and it just involved opening the door and throwing bags of stuff in. Anything could have gone in there. End quote. Wow. Now, back when you you mentioned that she'd been undressed. Yeah. And dismembering people and whatnot. I was kind of thinking it would also be convenient to take clothes off if you were going to put them. This is kind of gross into a machine, like a, a shredder or a meat grinder. It would also do well in incinerator. I don't I know mean, how fabric... Fabric burns um, very easily. No, no, no. Fabric and skin, once they go to ash, there's no way to test it and say yeah, this is ash it's... of a person and fabric because it's ash. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. enough about how that works. I know oh, if yeah. it's like... I know if it's like teeth, they can get into the teeth and like yeah, find... Is it because it's stuff? Well, like the enamel is on the outside, and the enamel like protects know, what's on the inside. Sorry. Oh, marrow and about. Yeah, yeah, they can do that too. <laughs> um, so, like I said, he told all of this to the police in the eighties, but mm. apparently they said the security at the hospital was too good for Ian to be able to sneak in there. But yeah, if what the witness is, this is what I mean. If what well, this guy is saying is true, it definitely wasn't. No. And it's if he's telling the truth, it sounds very plausible it sounds to like me. Sounds like a communal bin at this point. Yeah, time. although the hospital was demolished some years ago, and there's not a way to what? examine anything now. I know, I know. Where do retired the, uh, the thing is, the go, question I have here. So I have a question here: okay. is why didn't he dispose of the towels and the clothes and the handbag in there as well? Because if he's just mm-hmm. if he let's say that he dismembered Helen and put her in a couple of bin bags, 
mm. and drove up to incinerate and said to his mate, hey, I've got some, like, pub yeah. rubbish to throw out. And he just lobbed a couple of bin bags in there with Helen in. Mm-hmm. Why not also have a bag with the clothes in and just lob that in there as Maybe well? Maybe he forgot to bring that bag, went back home, saw it and thought, oh, fuck, and just chucked it. Somewhere. Maybe, but how? I was going to say, how would you forget? But this guy is clearly an idiot. This is the thing. But I just don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. He's the thing is, clumsy. although on that same line of thought, mm-hmm. wherever he hid Helen's body was a really successful hiding spot. It was. So whether he put her in the incinerator or whether he went into like some woods somewhere and yeah. found somewhere really good, whether he waded out and put her in the canal... I mean, it's not that deep in some places, but then in some places it is quite deep. So I don't know. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So wherever he put her body mm-hmm. was clearly such a good spot. Why the fuck didn't he put all the other stuff there too? Because it's clearly a really good spot. If he'd have put everything there, nobody mm-hmm. would have fucking found it nope. because nobody's found her. And then he wouldn't have been. So maybe. I guess however he disposed of her, you can make the same argument. Mm-hmm. So whether he incinerated her or like whatever he did. You can say, why didn't he put the towel on the clothes there? Yeah, you can ask that. And we're never going to know. Nope. I just really hope that she's found one day, but but he can never tell us. No. But the thing is, if she was put in the incinerator, no you one's going to find, find her. Like, no. nothing's ever going to turn up. No. So the only way that she's going to get found is if he didn't put her in the incinerator. And mm-hmm. then there's a chance that somebody might come across her at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for that. I hope so too. But we've reached the end of that story. That's... Wow. That's so it. he died earlier this year? Last year. Last We're in 23 year. now. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, so like six months ago. I keep forgetting it's 2023. I know, it's weird. It just sounds too in the future. <laughs> it is in the future. It's I'm firmly living in like 2015. Yeah, I'm, I'm like back there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I. that's it. Mm, okay, so Mr. Weed served his time and then died. Yeah. Swiftly after. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't last long after he got out of prison. That's shit. It's really shit. He could have... It's he, unfair. It's just... No. Even if, like, he did put her in the incinerator, so there's no chance of anyone burying her or anything, mm-hmm. he should have told somebody. Yeah. Even if he wrote it down the wind or yeah. something. But the thing is, you know how sometimes... Like, somebody's, like, cellmate will come out and say, like, oh, yeah, so he told me this in prison. No Mm -hmm. one's ever said that about him. Mm. So he literally never told anyone. He never told a single soul. That's... That's a shame, obviously. It fucking is. I'm just... I'm struggling to comprehend how... (laughs) Going by the person that you've described that is him, it sounds like he was kind of okay with it. Oh yeah, I don't think like, he would have had any kind of. I don't think this was a weight mental in his struggle. Mind no, I don't think so either. I don't think there was any kind of yeah, like I anguish have done this. about this. Yeah, I can't no remorse I've whatsoever. Done yeah, whatever with the body it was just like no one's for breakfast today. He strikes yeah. me as that type of dismissive of it. I completely agree with you. He yeah. just doesn't care about how He would have seen the whole thing about him getting in prison as an inconvenience for him. Yeah, and he would he's have seen being it like framed, that. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's that's his his perception of this whole thing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. No, I'm glad you agreed. Yeah. yeah, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just hope that if she didn't get incinerated, I really hope that Another dog walker is walking the yeah. dog and just if you're comes a jogger, something. take a jog. Go and, you know, jog now. Maybe have a bad morning, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> Get some therapy if yeah. you find anything, <laughs> but take one for the team. Yeah, but yeah, like oh, this is terrible. It's it's just so terrible. It's a shit story. It's a shit story. But like when I started reading it, it's like it's a, it's a terrible, awful story. But I yeah. wanted to tell it. I wanted. And when I say a shit story, I just want to make something clear. I'm not yeah. like, oh, this is bad because there's no ending. It's just. Oh yeah, yeah. I know, I know that you, you don't, don't mean from like home. an entertainment perspective. Oh no, because I know, that's but, not why we're here. But to but, use yeah. shit negatively is also very broad. That's true. I, yeah, I just we, need we to mean be more specific. It's shit, as in it's tragic and horrible. Yeah, and it's yeah. frustrating because we can't get anything else from this. Yeah, no, we've got what we. The can, guy yeah. that had the answer, <laughs> if we can believe him, is dead. Oh, he had the answer. Yeah, I know, but he seemed to be flip-flopping and lying everywhere. He literally did whatever he thought was most convenient for him. Exactly. But he then realized. I don't get why he wouldn't say anything if it mm-hmm. meant that he could have had a reduced sentence. Because it would prove he was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, 
Should we close out? Yeah, let's close out. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Um, I hope you learned something new. Mm-hmm. What lessons should we take from this one? Just be you know, you know what? Just like be be honest, but not just that. Like this guy, keep in touch with people as well. Yeah, Helen kept in touch with people, so people mm-hmm. immediately knew they this know was fucking wrong. Luck. They knew straight away that this wasn't right. So yeah, keep in touch with people, mm-hmm. and also like this guy that did it, he dragged a woman into his house, dragged her unconscious up the stairs and probably raped her mm-hmm. but he was hosting like young person fun nights at the pub yeah, you can't trust routinely. anyone you no, cannot not trust anyone mm-hmm. unless you know that person inside out and back to front on like a molecular level you can't trust people no don't do that this is another great example of that this is, is another great sad. example of that and there are so many yeah i've got a notebook full of these <laughs> examples and it's fucking horrific but we're gonna keep telling them mm just yeah anyway thanks for listening thank you very much guys and have a wonderful rest of your day Mm -hmm. see you soon see you soon bye bye